Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. My name is Amr Dalawalia. I'm the host of the podcast and editor-in-chief of The Evolution. In this episode, we continue our CIO radio series, where we speak with technology leaders about the trends and challenges reshaping our increasingly digital world. In today's episode, we speak with the University of Wisconsin-Madison Vice Provost and CIO Lois Brooks. This episode was recorded live at Educause, and our conversation explored the strategic role technology leaders are playing at their respective institutions. Lois Brooks, welcome to the Illumination Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm right. Thanks for asking me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Well, we're recording live at, uh, at Educause in Denver, so uh, please do excuse any, any background noise. Uh, but, you know, we so appreciate you taking the time out. Now, I'm curious, you know, how, how's the conference been for you so far? We're about halfway through the first day. You know, it's great. It's so nice to see friends and colleagues to engage in freeform conversations. The energy here is terrific. Yes, absolutely. Well, it, it's actually, you know, we're... I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a little blown away by some of the booths uh, in and around. And, you know, this is coming from we're, we're sitting at a booth with a full podcast booth set up in it. But there, it really is. It's an incredible environment. Now, I'm curious. Now, you've, you've been a tech leader in, in the higher ed space for the last decade. You've been involved with IT leadership at R, R1 Institution since 99. How has the role of institutional IT leaders evolved over, over the course of your career? Well, you have to start with how IT has evolved in the institution over the years. And it, at this point, it's a part of every Thing we do is yes. part of teaching and research, business process, student success, athletic events, communication, collaboration, work in the communities. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is that the role of the IT leader is now in every part of the business. Um, advocating, listening, um, making solutions come into play, trying to help the institution find that balance between innovation, which is our hallmark, but then risk and privacy and those kind of emerging issues. So, you know, it's really, we're really more part of the business than we've ever been. You know, I'm, I'm curious about this because, you know, the University of Wisconsin-Madison is, it's a... It's big. It's big. It's a traditional institution. Yes. It's steeped in history. And we are not an industry that's known for... How do we put this nicely? Being fast moving? Being right. responsive? So, as but as an IT leader, there's there's an inclination there's there's a natural alignment with keeping pace with what's happening in the world around us how do you balance those those sort of competing priorities of staying true to the the mission and the values and the focus of the core institution while at the same time being oriented towards what's happening in the world around us and, and kind of what's coming next from a technological perspective well so there are a couple questions in there and we are a traditional university we're coming into our 175th year um, we're very much place based we do things across the state and across the world, but really do have a core center in Madison. So that's one piece of it. And higher ed is slow to change its um, its activities on one hand. But on the other hand, think about research. So my university does $1.4 billion a year in research. We're doing cutting-edge work across the earth sciences, the medical sciences, human health and well-being, pulling data in and out of telescopes. We have infrastructure buried 400 feet under the ice shelf in Antarctica, tracking neutrinos. I mean, so we're doing this 
cutting edge work in research. And so, and that's moving at the pace of the innovation of our scholars, meaning it's flying. Mm -hmm. There's no bounds because there's no bound to their innovation. We're both um, inventing new technology in our research enterprise, but moving as quickly as we can to keep up with what our research community needs to be able to continue their innovation. Absolutely. And so, you know, there's both kind of a traditional element, but also leading the world element as well. It's a fascinating balance. It's like, you know, from, from and, and just, you know, for our publication's perspective, we tend to be more oriented towards sort of the teaching and learning mission at the post-secondary institution, especially in that dissemination of, of expertise and of knowledge. Um, and I'm curious, as, as you look at, again, that this balancing act that needs to be struck between uh, the research mission and the teaching mission, what does it take to... to sort of balance those priorities? How, how do you make sure that resources are being allocated in a way that makes sense in two spaces that do have competing priorities at times and can intersect at times? What, what are some of the considerations you have to bring into account? Well, they're actually not separate. They're the same people doing teaching and research. Our students do research. We use research as part of our teaching enterprise. All of it's done by our faculty. Um, and keep in mind that there are three reasons a university exists. To deliver an education, to do research, and to improve the lives of people of Wisconsin. Yes. And so anything we do to improve teaching and learning is closely aligned to the mission, so we don't actually have to choose between them. That's a nice both. spot to be. What we do have to sometimes do is pace because we can't do everything at once, but we're always we're always moving forward in teaching and research simultaneously. The things that may take a backseat sometimes are more of the kind of service operations, and we do invest in those as well, but we may make a choice to do something really interesting for teaching or move a teaching program forward and say, you know, we'll get to this administrative option next year. Absolutely. Um, so now you you share you kind of have a, a, a I guess a joint role is that that the way to describe it you you hold a position with Unison uh, on on uh, on Unison's board of directors and you know what actually before we talk a little bit about Unison I'm curious about you know, could you talk us through sort of the, the mission of Unison the focus of the organization it is something that we've published on in the evolution if anyone's interested in learning more about it but for the purposes of the episode so Unison is a nonprofit organization it was founded by about half a dozen universities is now grown to, gosh, about 15, I would guess. And the notion was that we came together looking at some core problems that are expensive and difficult to solve around learning analytics and the infrastructure that underpins learning analytics, which is extensive to build. And we decided to pool our resources together and build this together because we vary in our teaching programs, we vary in our research, but technology looks the same under the hood. Yes. And so we we came together in a pooled resource with the notion that you can move farther and faster together. Um, over time, we we took this uh, consortium and moved it into a nonprofit space, but it's still comprised only of the members of the consortium working together to build uh, infrastructure that supports our teaching and learning. And at this point, we've, we've actually added some intellectual property around low-cost course materials. Just at my university, we've saved about $6 million for our students because of Unison. So it's meaningful. Um, then you uh, mentioned that I have a position. None of us have paid positions. Actually, we do have staff there, but nobody from the university is a paid staff, but I do serve on the board of directors and help guide the, the organization. Absolutely. So, you know, there, there are. this is one of, of a few examples of, of member-driven collaboratives, and, you know, I think that the Big 12 has, has one as well. Yes. And so how do these sort of member-driven collaboratives, how are they starting to shape higher ed's future? 
They're really interesting. There is quite a few that have been just successful by any measure, like the Hathi Trust that uh, does preservation of scholarly materials across many, many universities. What we do in IT and higher ed is expensive, and to do it well is expensive. And these dollars compete with other dollars at the university for financial aid, for hiring new faculty, for hiring more IT staff, whatever it might be. So anything we can do in IT to fulfill our mission but do it in a way that moves quickly and is cost efficient is going to be our future. And as we look now at um, additional pressures on on universities for costs, for performance, and frankly, the rising expectations for IT and the rising cost of IT, I think this is, um, it's not our only future. I believe there's a strong place for the vendor community as well, but I think you'll see more and more universities working together to solve common problems. And just one other note on this, what makes some of these consortia like Unison um, kind of special is that we actually figured out the sustainability model. We didn't start with a grant and then have to scramble, but we actually built financial sustainability in. So it's persisted now for oh gosh, probably seven or eight years, and it will keep going because we figured out the money equation. That's so important. I, I mean, as as a technology leader, it's a bit of a balancing act, right? Like there, you know, and we've you know the theme of our conversation, as it turns out, has been balance. Um, how how do you balance sort of the the need to be sort of more business oriented, more aligned with costs and benefits and return on investment with the need to be a mission oriented as a, as a public organization, uh, as a, you know, as a safekeeper of public trust, but also as someone who's oriented towards student success and, and, you know, has to be oriented to the mission of the organization. Well, you know, this is the job of a leader anywhere that you're always making trade-offs. You're always thinking through what the right thing to do is for the university. We have many, many ideas and we have to sift through those and decide which are the most important, which are going to have the most impact. ROI is hard to measure in higher education. Uh, We can do some in the business side, maybe cost of transaction kinds of things which are important, but they don't get to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is are students progressing, are they more successful in their life, Um, does research uh, make a difference? And so quantifying an IT investment against those can be pretty challenging. But on the other hand, we we do this in a community forum. We work with our faculty, we work with university leadership, and really have those tough conversations about priorities that then leads us to what investments to make. And I'll just say one other thing in the middle of all this. The IT team then actually has to deliver. If you say you're going to do it, you have to it's do a, it. It is a private fair. <laughs> and so that's the other piece of it is is that if you've made made the business case and made the commitment to do something you've got to execute yeah well and and that's it's an interesting it's an interesting point you raise because that is yeah, you really do. So where where do you start to bring those kinds of questions of, of commitment versus nice to have? You know, how, how do you communicate that across the organization? How do you ensure that the team is aligned with the commitments that have been made? Um, and in some cases, how do you make sure that the commitments are adaptable to whatever the scenario might be at a point in time? We just went through a, a planning exercise for our IT priorities, and we started with 20 or 30 ideas on the page, and every single one of them was a good idea. And over time, the, we worked with faculty, we worked with IT providers, presented to the university leadership, got a lot of input. We must have gone through 10 or 15 iterations of this to get down to five priorities. 
and to really talk through. So if we've got to make a trade-off between, um, you know, educational innovation. Kind of thing. I was about to say accessibility, but that's not the trade-off because we never trade off accessibility. But maybe we're trading off, um, maybe accelerating in some pedagogically specific areas versus doing some student success measures. The way we get to that is we talk it through with the community, with the stakeholders, get input, and then and then weigh that out. And quite often, it's not a yes or no, but a first, second, and third. Kind Interesting. Of a, kind of a trade-off. Interesting. Absolutely. Well, you know, as as you look to the next five to 10 years maybe a little too far down the road let's say five to eight years what are some of the trends that you're really keeping an eye on that you think are going to be most impactful in, in, in how we work there is a lot going on right now in next generation cybersecurity. thinking about um, how we move into layered security and just think about how big and complex a university is and how hard it is to keep everything secure so we're looking at next generation there that's also a pretty hot marketplace it's a lot coming at us I'm pretty excited about augmented reality but I I think it's early, early days, you know, and the power potential for immersive 3D imagery and education and research. But we're doing some interesting prototypes, but I think it's going to be some years before that becomes mainstream. What is becoming very mainstream is augmented uh, AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning. We're doing a lot of work with data right now. So those are some of the trends we're following. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I am curious about the, the cybersecurity piece because it is for higher ed institutions seem to get targeted a heck of a lot um, in in cyber attacks and you know obviously there's a significant amount of data being collected by the institution and there's you know as we move to virtual payment models like how coming back to this idea of balance how do you balance the need to be consumer centric and the need to be accessible and seamless and easy for a student while at the same time making sure that the data that's being collected and kept is compliant and is secure. Well, just a, before I get there, a quick set of numbers. I was just reading the Cyber Edge report, and they were listing, um, they interviewed 1,200 people across 19 industries internationally. Higher ed, as at 90, 90% of the higher ed respondents reported at least one breach in the last year. But but banking, finance, healthcare, everybody is in their government. Um, they, the data reported that said 85% of the respondents had had six or more breaches in the past year. No kidding. Yes. Okay, so this is an everyone problem. It's, a, it's an everyone well, problem. Well, that's kind of comforting. But but you think about what a breach is. <laughs> yeah. um, some of them are, are really big and, and rough. Some of them are pretty small and localized with it. So how do we balance it? Uh, for our enterprise systems, for medical data, those kinds of things, you know, social security numbers, credit card numbers, we really have a, a, a protective ring around that and very strict multi-layered measures. As we move closer to the edge and closer to innovation, we still try to protect the devices. I shouldn't say try. We actually do protect the devices. But the measures we use are increasingly kind of um, user-friendly, um, supporting research, supporting um, innovation and flexibility at the edge. We're coming toward the center for, uh, for things like medical data or personnel data. We're going to have multiple measures to get through before you can get in. So that's really it. It's that balancing act of both keeping the money. The stuff is expensive, so keeping the money where it does the most good, but also securing but not impeding research and education. And, and this is what 
what keeps me up at night if you want to well, ask. And that's, you know, where, where we're going next uh-huh. because that, you know, that that is a foundational challenge. Yes. Yeah. It, well, it is. And I will say, if you want to ask what keeps me up at night, I think that it's really the workforce and thinking about the workforce and thinking about, um, you know, the things that other people talk about around retention and recruiting new talent. But I really think a lot about as we go into this very flexible world, how do we make sure it's vibrant? How do we make sure people are connected? How do we make sure that that, that opportunity for mentoring doesn't get bypassed um, because we might have missed an in-person connection? So really thinking about not just are we remote or not remote, but how are we really fantastic at being remote? Absolutely. Well, Lois, I, I've so appreciated you taking the time out. I know we're, we're right in the middle of lunch here, so hopefully I haven't kept you from a meal. But on that topic, the way we like to end every every Illumination episode is just by asking folks their favorite restaurant. So if you're going out to dinner in Madison, where does someone need to go? In Madison, Wisconsin, our favorite restaurant is Fairchild on Monroe Street because they're very, very seasonal. And they do um, just um, every week the menu changes, very high quality. Um, and everything is coming from... From the farmers market or the local farms. Oh, and so it's I just, love that. So if you're in Madison, check out Fairchild. Thank you so much, Lois. Hey, I've so appreciated your time. Thanks so much for the conversation. Thanks for asking me. Have a great show. You as well. This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and the Evolution. The Modern Campus engagement platform powers solutions for non traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result? Innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner life cycle that engages modern learners for life, while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.